The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. By his brothers, he's thrown into a well, then they decide that's not the right thing. Reuben actually decides that and takes him out of the well and sells him as a slave, and the slaves sell him to, uh, uh, to one of the Pharaoh's officials, Potiphar, and uh, we kind of got to the point last week of Joseph's in prison. He's falsely accused, wrongly accused, and uh, I wonder if he was singing through it all, you know, my eyes are on you, Lord. Because in verse 1 it says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites. He bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Again, I hope you underlined this last week. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered. And he lived in the house of the Egyptian master, and when the master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord had gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. And Potiphar put him in charge of his whole household. And he entrusted his care to everything, everything he owned. And from that time, he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned. And the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptians because of Joseph. And the blessing of the Lord was on everything that Potiphar had, both in house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had with Joseph in charge. He didn't concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. Now Joseph was well built. He was handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, My master does not concern himself with anything in his house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care, and no one is greater in his house than I am. And my master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. And how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though, he spoke to, and though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or to even be with her. And one day he went into the house of the... In his, and one day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants were inside. And she caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, Look what this Hebrew that has been brought to us, has he been brought to us to make sport of us? And he came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. And when he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak in my hand and ran out of the house. And she kept his cloak beside her until the master came home. And she told him this story. And the Hebrew slave that you brought, bought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. And when his master heard this story... The wife was telling him, saying, This is how your slave has treated me. He burned with anger. So Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. Again, a good place to underline. And he showed him favor, and he granted him kindness in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. 
And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord with Joseph was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. We talked last week uh, just about some of the things we see in Joseph's life. He was having an incredibly bad day. He uh, first uh, experienced a promotion, and then he, uh, after that, uh, experienced a proposition. And I'm just going back and reading my, uh, my headings of those. Third, the section was purity, and we saw how he acted quickly. Fourth was a section of perjury where he was falsely accused. And fifth, the section of punishment. So he ends up... Uh, they're in prison, and he's uh, falsely accused. And over and over we see in the passage of Scripture that the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph. Now, we're going to talk about courage, and uh, we've been talking about courage last week, and we'll be talking about courage the next several weeks. I, I found a couple of th thoughts about courage, and, and uh, this is a good business model also, courage. And I found this ethical leadership from... Uh, Andrea Lee, and, and she, she says, here's seven things uh, that develop courage as an ethical business leader. So these are just things to think about. She said, for a, a, a great business leader, there's need to be some things happen. There needs to be a culture focus, and that's courage to affect our daily practices by the culture around us. Now, I was thinking about Joseph as I read these. Uh, didn't Joseph experience that? I mean, he was moved into a new culture, and he had the courage to let those affect his daily practice. He learned their language. He learned their customs. He was successful in that. The th second thing she lists is a moral compass to be successful in business. We need a good moral compass, and that, that really means the courage to do what's right. We see that in Joseph's life. To be successful, we need, uh, we need to have a good moral compass. Now, I'll remind you, she said he, these are the things which build courage. The third that she listed was short-terminism is what she called it. And she said it takes courage to resist quick fixes. In other words, we call them knee-jerk responses. It takes courage. Work through some of those things sometimes and, and work them out. It, here's the fourth thing. It takes courage to build relationships. Again, I think in each of these things we can see a little bit of Joseph's model of a business leader. Uh, it takes courage to make connections with other people and building that kind of that network of people to be a successful leader. We need to do that. To, to uh, have a good business leader and develop courage, it takes meaning and purpose. And uh, she says we need courage to bring our core values to life. That takes courage, folks, especially in our business world today, to, to say here are my core values and I have meaning in life and I have a purpose in life. And, and to live by those things, even in business, I think we see that in Joseph's life. To, to be a meaningful leader in uh, ethical business and develop courage, it takes diversity, and that's simply the courage to welcome differences. You know, there's different folks. They have different ideals. Again, Joseph's life, think of the differences that he experienced as he's moved into a new culture, and, and he took those differences, and he began to develop those around his meaning and his purpose. And then lastly, she lists risk. And that's the courage it takes to identify, and not only identify, but handle risk. I want us to think about that for just a second this morning. As we think about courage, when we identify a risk within us, 
doesn't it take the courage to do something about it? We can, we can identify a risk that we may say, you know, I shouldn't be involved, I shouldn't be a part of that. That's what Joseph did with, with Potiphar's wife. He identified a risk. In identifying the risk, if you notice when we read that, it said he didn't even put himself in the same place with her until one day, and she kind of worked that out where everybody else happened to be gone the day he come in to do his duty. So he identified a risk, and he began to manage those risks. I think those are good ideals for a, a good leader and what it takes. Uh, this guy, I don't know who this is, J.K. Rowland, he said it takes a great deal of courage to stand up to our enemies, and I think we could all amen that. You know, it takes a great deal of courage for us to stand up to our enemies but here's something we never think about. It takes just as much courage to stand up to our friends. Isn't that a great statement? I mean, I think we think about we got to stand up to our enemies, but we're putting together a, a, a courageous lifestyle, and we have, we have core values, and we have things that we believe, and, and when we get involved with friends, it takes courage to stand up even to our friends. Winston Churchill said, courage is what it takes to stand up and to speak. Courage is also what it takes to sit down and to listen. I thought that was pretty good, too. It does take courage to, to get up and speak, but there's times that we have to sit down and we have to listen, and it takes courage. So with that, we're going to kind of move into the last part of, of our message this morning. And, and uh, this is we put together all of these scriptures last week in, in five different points. So this morning, this is kind of a summary of what we talked about. I told you all last week we would have a short message. I lied. No, I didn't. We, we still will. <coughs> uh, but... But we're just kind of going to summarize what we looked at last week. Now, if you missed last week, then you can go back to the Internet and you can listen to the first part of this message and, uh, and hear the five points that go with this. But, but we must have courage to do the right thing. It takes courage to do the right thing, even if the immediate consequences are less than desirable. If the immediate consequences are going to be something that, that may cause us some heartache, we still need courage to do the right thing. Joseph may not have thought all this out, but, you know, when he ran out of her room, uh, that, that took some courage, and, and probably the consequences were less than desirable. He didn't want it planned that way, but he, he took courage. And, and the Battle of Antietam, it, it's a battle in the uh, Civil War. It's also known as the Battle of Sharp, Sharpsburg. It says the Battle of Antietam, 1862, lasted for 12 hours. It ranks as one of the top five bloodiest days in the Civil War with 10,000 Confederate casualties and 12,000 Union ca casualties. There's some numbers that go in there, too. As the sun went down and the battle ended, this historian wrote, Smoke was heavy in the air, and the twilight was quivering with the anguish cries of thousands of wounded men. On that one day, in 12 hours, 22,717 men died. That's 1,900 men a minute that were dying during this battle. Uh, it was considered a military draw, and there's a 
kind of the average uh, General George McClellan. He was kind of an average uh, uh, leader there, general. He wasn't considered a, a great general. He was just kind of average. He was able to end Robert E. Lee's thrust into Maryland, and, and Robert E. Lee was considered to be brilliant. So you had an a average, a mediocre general who goes to battle, 1,900 men a minute being, being killed on the battlefield, forcing a brilliant general, Robert E. Lee, back into Maryland, out of Maryland, and across the Potomac. And, and how is that possible? People were saying, how, how would that ever happen? And here's how it happened. Two Union soldiers had found a copy of Lee's battle plan. So they took Lee's battle plan and they took it to McClellan and he was able to, de to deliver this great battle back because he understood everything the enemy was going to do. And though they were more powerful than he, though they probably had a better leader than he, because the enemy's plans had fallen into his hands, he was able to make a stand against them. Now I want us to think about this in our lives. In some respect, we're no match for our adversary. We're really no match for Satan. He, he has all kinds of wiles that we're told to be weary of. He's got schemes and ideals that we're told to be weary of. But, but we know the enemy's plans because they've fallen into our hand. So when we understand what our enemy's plans are, we know his strategy. We know that he entices us with lies and with lust and greed and all of those things such as that. We have the knowledge of God's word. So when we come to that battle, we are to have the courage to say, you know what, I can withstand what Satan's casting at me because I know your battle plans. I know your next move. I, I, know, I know all of these things because of what I can read and what I understand from God's Word. So the war for our souls going on and, and there's temptations to be coming. So with that, uh, I want to just, I, I listed some things. You may list some things if you're keeping notes this morning about the, the, the war that's waging for our soul. And folks, don't ever be mistaken into thinking that Satan's not battling for you. Don't ever think that. Don't think, well, I'm just cruising along. I'm kind of in the middle of the road. I'm not, I'm not over here. I'm not over there. I'm just, uh, I don't have any dealings with the well. If you think that, you're probably on the wrong side of the fence because Satan's got you exactly where he wants you. So here's some things that have been, been we, we're tempted about. Are we ever tempted? And you don't have to answer these, but are we tempted to get even? Those are some temptations we have. There will be times that we're tempted to, to tarnish someone else's character. Those are temptations that we deal with. There will be temptations to, to spend what we don't have and more than we have. There will be temptations to cheat. We're, we're, we're faced with that. There will be temptations to manipulate others. There will be temptations to compromise sexually, and, and it will be real easy to give in. I mean, it'll be real easy. It'll be easy to think, well, no one will ever know. I'll just do this one time. And, and if I just do this one time, nobody will ever know. I, I read this statement. It's, it's easier to keep our values 100% of the time than it is 99% of the time. Because once we move off that 100%, drawing a line and saying, hey, I'm going to take a stand. Once we move off that 100%, it gets a little bit easier the next time, doesn't it? 
And it gets a little bit easier the next time. You ever, you ever been out and maybe you were out camping or something and there's a, there's a log there. I've used this illustration before and it's crossing the little creek and you're unsure about it. So you, you start easing out there on it and you kind of put a little weight and then you ease and you put a little weight and then a little farther and you put a little more weight. And then finally you, get, you say, oh, it's good. And, and the next time you kind of ease across and by, by the end of the weekend... You're just walking, and you walk that thing, and you just keep going. What, what was it? Well, that first time, man, it wasn't that easy, and, and I'm going to just test it a little bit. But, but after that little bit of testing, it, it became easier, and it became easier, and it became easier. Well, that's what it is with our sin. We're, we're tempted, and if, we're, if we say, well, it's easy to give in, nobody's ever going to know. Nobody's ever going to see it. It's just going to be this one time. Note what Joseph did. Joseph was victorious. Because at that very moment, he said, hey, I've made a decision. I made this decision a long time ago, and, and I'm not going to say, hey, just this one time. What did the Bible say? Nobody's in the house. Nobody would know. Nobody would ever find out. Hey, hey, this is a good situation. But he was successful because he dwelt on the promises, not on the problems. He said, you know what? God, God is going to deliver me over and over and over, and I, I've asked you to... Uh, Underline this in your Bible over and over and over. We see that God is with Joseph. God is with Joseph. God is with Joseph. And as Joseph was facing that problem, not, not in just that one minute, but day after day after day, he realized God was with him. He said, hey, I've got a problem, but I'm going to focus on God's promises. So for us, when we think about the courage to do the right thing, he was successful because he remembered all that God had promised. Even in the midst of his circumstances, he remembered those things. You see, God always has something bigger in mind than we see in the immediate. I hope you'll, hope you'll jot that down. God always has something bigger in mind than we see in the immediate. You need proof of that? Here it is. Joseph had proof. Joseph was faithful to God, and, and when his brothers threw him in the pit, he was faithful to God. You can, you can believe when this teenage boy was thrown into a well that it wasn't a, it wasn't a, good, it wasn't a good day. He didn't go, oh, it's just a well. I'm just thrown into a well. You know, it's not no big deal about that. He said, you know what? I believe God's going to deliver me. God was faithful to Joseph when he was sold into slavery. As he, as he got on that wagon and he began to go out of sight, and, and uh, incidentally, I know that Pharaoh's mansion didn't have light bulbs in it. Somebody said, do you think they had light bulbs? I said, no, I'm just saying, come change the light bulb. If you don't know what that's about, go listen to last week. Anyway, that person was related to me, by the way, and I'm not married to her. Uh, <laughs> So I won't say who it was. But anyway, so as he sold into slavery, I just said on a wagon, however they were moving him, for him to look back at his homeland and his home country and his brothers and his father at home and, and to be carried out of sight, out of sight, out of sight. That wasn't an easy thing, but, but Joseph knew that God was going to be faithful. When Joseph was accused falsely, he knew God was going to be faithful. When Joseph was placed into prison, he knew that God was going to be faithful. And, and God is as much at, at presence with our suffering as he is in our peace. And we need to understand when we're suffering, we're having those hard days, that God is with us during those times. And, and it's, those, it's those times that we truly grow. 
You know, we grow in our sufferings. We don't grow in our prosperity, do we? But when things get tough and our afflictions come, that's when we begin to grow. We need to understand that God always has something bigger in mind than we see in the immediate. In the immediate. So we, we don't need to try hard to, to, to avoid those tough times and those tough decisions, but we do need to try hard to remember God is faithful in our toughest time. Now, here's the last thing. Somebody say amen. You can say amen. That's okay. (laughs) We can't lose sight, listen, that wrong is wrong no matter the circumstances. I think we lose sight of that sometimes. That, That wrong is wrong no matter the circumstances. Wrong is wrong, even if we don't get caught. It's still wrong. Wrong is wrong, even if you think you're doing it for a good cause. Hey, this is going to be a good cause. This is going to turn out, okay, we really need this. This will help everyone. Wrong is wrong, even if you think you're doing it for a good cause. Wrong is wrong, even if others are doing worse things. Well, hey, it's pretty bad, but at least it ain't that bad. It's still wrong. wrong. Wrong is wrong even if others are doing worse things. Wrong is wrong even if it doesn't bother the, the, the conscience. Even if you say, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just not that convicted about that right now. Well, well, wrong is wrong even if it doesn't bother our conscience. And, and wrong is wrong even if others consider it acceptable. You know, if you say, well, the, the world does it. Everybody else thinks it's acceptable. Why shouldn't I do that? Well, it's still wrong. And we need to realize that we serve a God that, that He sees sin as sin and He sees wrong as wrong and, and there's no gray area there. So we need to understand it takes courage to take a stand when things are wrong. It doesn't matter if we don't get caught, if it's a good cause or others are doing worse or our conscience is not bother, or others accept it. Uh, we just need the courage to do what's right. You know, we've, I've been talking at work to, to my guys and we've been uh, talking about leadership and different things and, and I've been talking about character and integrity. Character and integrity. You know, that's what we're talking about and that's what we see in Joseph's life. We see character and integrity. And those all come together realizing that God is faithful and that wrong is wrong, even whatever everybody else is doing. We must be determined to live a life characterized by moral excellence. Now, I told you we're talking about courage. I think in all of those areas, it takes courage. There's a song called Courage, Desiree Young. It says, I've got the responsibility to do what's right. But I've got the choice to do what's wrong. But to do what's right, I have to be strong. And I understand that now. But, t- but still, sometimes I get scared. And you know, I think of the opposite of fear is courage. I like that first line. I've got the responsibility to do what's right. I've got the choice to do wrong. But to do right, you have to be strong. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. And as I said, we kind of summarized our message from last week. But I want us to truly think about courage. 
And I want to go all the way back to that statement that Churchill said, you know, it, it takes courage to stand up to our enemies, but it takes even more courage to take a stand with our friends. Boy, that just resonated with me. That just hit home with me. We, I'm going to leave here in the morning. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to go to work and work with a bunch of linemen and uh, we're going to work together all week and you know, it takes courage sometimes to, to stand up and say, you know, I'm not going to be involved or, or no, I don't want to be a part of that. That's not a better-than-thou attitude. That's not a holier-than-thou attitude. That's simply saying I have some convictions. I have some moral standards, and it's going to take courage. Hey, won't you come on out with us tonight? And uh, John deals with this right now. He went, to, he went on this hurricane, and... And here's what they said. Hey, come on to the bar. We won't tell your daddy. Yeah, they all know I work, and they all know what my position is. We won't tell your daddy. You know, it takes a little bit of courage. It's got, got nothing to do with him. It's, it's, a, it's a conviction I have. That takes courage. Folks, each one of us, each day, we can look and say we're having a terribly, incredibly bad day. But remember this, God is with us. God's not left us. He's not abandoned us. He's not forsaken us. And Paul said if God is with us, who in the world could be against us? We know Satan's battle plans. We've got what it takes to win the battle. It comes to us, and it takes courage to take a stand. Father, I pray this morning as we truly consider ourselves, we consider the life of this man, Joseph, we, we look at his incredibly bad day and, and probably realize we haven't faced a day like that. A day of being sold into slavery, a day of moving into a foreign land, a, a day of being falsely accused, a, a day of being uh, falsely imprisoned. But, Father, through it all, through it all, his eyes were on you. And through it all, he's saying, it is well. It's well. It's, it's going to be all right. God is with me. And if God is with me, who could be against me? Father, I pray today that as we are lost in you, as we focus our minds upon you, Father, we wouldn't merely hear a word today. And as we hear this word, leave this place saying, you know, that's a good word, but I live in the real world. Father, I pray that we'd know that the real world is in you. And in you is where we find life. In you is where we find joy. And in you is where we find hope for the future. Lord, I pray your spirit would make that true in our lives, not because of some foolish words a man said, but because your spirit gives us wisdom. Your word gives us direction, and I pray that we'd be about your business, and I pray this in Jesus' name.